The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, Carolyn Allen, an industrial designer at Works Design, talks with OPDD students about portfolio do's and don'ts, and other tips for standing out as a designer. So, I wanted to make this very clear, that Instagram is not your portfolio, which I know contradicts what we just talked about, that I've been using Instagram as a portfolio, but by no means should you send a potential employer a link to your Instagram and have that be it. I, I would not take that very well because it's not, it's not the right platform. It's not going to show your entire process. It's not going to tell the story the way that a website or a PDF portfolio would. So that being said, Instagram is a great supplement for your website or your PDF portfolio. When I started my Instagram, I was maybe like five months away from graduating and realizing that I did not really have a sketching style that was my own. And I forced myself to do 30 bags in 30 days and then 30 technical apparel sketches in 30 days. And you can see, I mean, this was day one. This is rough. (laughs) This is hard to look at, honestly. Um, But there's some progression going on here over, you know, the three months that I did this. And Instagram was kind of the way that I was motivated to keep doing this. Even, you know, I'd be at dinner with my parents or with my fiance's family. And I'd be like, everybody, I only have like three hours and I have to get a sketch done today. And so I'd take the next like 30 minutes or so to make sure I got one done. But Instagram can also be, you know, this really great thing where you're making genuine connections with people. For the beginning, for the first year or so, most of the comments on my posts were spam bots because that's that's how that works. If you're posting that often, they assume that you're spam and then, yeah, you don't want like fake interactions with people, but you have to put in a fair bit of work to do that. So that means that you're commenting on other people's posts that you like, um, you're following other designers, you're interacting with them, asking for um, advice, things like that. Uh, I connected with Michael Clark, who did a bunch of Skillshare videos that I watched. And so then I was, you know, doing sketches based off of those videos that he posted. And then as you can see, maybe you guys can see this might be a little too small, but 
then Mike's commenting on it and he's sharing them on his page. Um, Cordura is apparently now buds with Mike and they're commenting on it. Like they're going back and forth with each other on my posts. Um, and this is one from a long time ago. And this is when my boss first reached out to me asking where I'm from in Colorado. And this is how I got a job was because he commented on this post. I went to his studio and met him. And then a couple months later, I moved to Fort Collins and had a job. And he had never seen my portfolio. And it was another year or so before he did see my portfolio. And I can't say that that's a normal thing. I can't say that that's something that happens often. But I'm super grateful for this, you know, this weird looking bag that I started with and the progression that we made after that so that I could do that and make these connections. I also just want to touch on this piece down here. I, I get DMS from students, from other designers all the time. Um, I do portfolio reviews with them once or twice a week. It's pretty common that, you know, I'm interacting with people in there talking to a lot of students, um, this industry is super generous. The, you know, the response that I've gotten from people as I was starting my Instagram and as I was making these connections has been incredible. And so it's great for me to be able to give that back. And so this is where we are now. These are some of my more recent posts. Um, it's awesome to be able to look at this and say, okay, this is where I'm at now. And then we have that one backpack sketch from... 2017 or January of 2018. Um, so even if, even if your Instagram is more for you than it is for, you know, trying to find a job or supplementing your portfolio, it's just a cool way to basically have this photo gallery and showing like how you've progressed over time. So that's what I have in terms of my little presentation here, but do you guys have any questions for me? I have a question if nobody else wants to go yet. <laughs> um, my question is, what about that Heather girl's portfolio was so compelling? Like compared to everybody else, you said hers was the most compelling. Like what oh, makes sorry. that? Is it just the quality of the work or? So I... For whatever reason, I think that um, a lot of industrial design portfolios look the same. They kind of like fit into that similar mold. And then I've seen some fashion portfolios, even ones from the University of Cincinnati, that I think are completely disconnected from industrial design. And so I think her portfolio is really cool because she managed to like bridge that gap. I'm not saying that like hers is more compelling than any of the others that I showed, but in terms of a like fashion design portfolio, I think that hers leans more towards the industrial design side. So I think she did a really good job of that. Does that answer your question? Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. Hey Nash, did you have a question? You looked like you Yeah. Um, I remember you talking about for your capstone, you had a process book opposed to like showing the whole process on your portfolio page. When do you recommend like using that type type of like brevity? Because like when we're in classes, we're encouraged to show like 
kind of like every step pretty much. Um, so how do you use brevity without it subtracting from the story? For sure. And I think on your website and in your PDF, basically you're just giving a snapshot of your entire process. You don't want to give everything away online and just, you know, this is your capstone. This is your thing that you've spent, I don't know how many semesters on. I spent a year online. I'm not going to give all that information up just for anybody who wants to come across my website, but also that's again, 144 pages. I did a lot of research that I'm happy to speak about in an interview, but I don't need to show on my website. It's, it's just going to take too long for somebody to look through all of it. And I had a really hard time getting my capstone down to 10 pages or so to put in a PDF portfolio. Thankfully, we also kind of ditched the idea of PDF portfolios by the time that we were all graduating. So I was able to do a little bit more of it on my website. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough balance. You want to show off this thing that you did without giving it all away. Um, yeah, people are going to go to your website and they don't need to know, you know, everybody that you interviewed. It's going to end up being a lot of blocks of text and you really don't need to show that. It needs to be more image heavy. So yeah, there's a, you got to strike a good balance there between the two. Thank you. Question here from Matt. Um, so was Instagram how you started sketching every day or are there other ways that you would suggest like developing that daily habit? I, I will say, you know, Instagram was definitely a motivator and also the fact that I had five months until I graduated. It was hard knowing that I didn't have my own sketching style and I feel like every single semester we would get a new drawing professor and they would want us to sketch exactly like they do. And the goal of that was to try a bunch of different styles but you spend an entire semester trying to copy one person's style. I was using Instagram in order to, you know, kind of take in a lot of styles at once. And by sketching every day, I was able to try out different things. I, you know, got an iPad and got Procreate as a lot of designers do. And I also felt like that was my program. It was a lot more user-friendly for me than using Photoshop or using my Wacom tablet or anything like that. Um, so it's just kind of a matter of like finding the tools that work for you and then finding the motivation that works for you. For me, it was Instagram um, because I knew that I had to post something every day. And once you put that out there in the universe and then you start to remember at 8 p.m. like, oh man, I said that I was going to do that. Now I got to make sure I do that. You know, it's like all those people that do the, uh, Inktober sketches and they post something every day. I don't think I've ever done that successfully, but for some people that's what works. So, yeah. Can, can you speak a little bit to, well, finding your style, your sketching style? Um, I noticed, I mean, you and like Mike Clark, those who come from industrial design have kind of a unique um, take on apparel like your apparel sketches just have that industrial design look and feel like, and I feel like it stands out. Um, can you, can you speak to how your, you know, industrial design style sketching really enhanced or gave you a, an edge when it came to more like apparel? Yeah. So with school, I mean, we never 
took any, we never had any soft goods classes. And so I was really stoked to find Michael Clark's stuff and to watch all of his videos because in the outdoor industry specifically, like we do not want to see those like very stylized fashion sketches where your legs are like six miles long and you're like this big around. Cause that that's not going to show us the function that we need. It looks flashy and cool for fashion, but it doesn't really do much for us in industrial design and outdoor design. Um, so I basically spent maybe a month or so like copying his style to try to nail that and then kind of like take the pieces of it that I liked and integrate it with what I was already doing on my Instagram. And you'll see as you like go through, pull up my Instagram on here, um, as you go through my photos that I've posted or sketches that I've posted, there's kind of been somewhat of an evolution um, over time. There's also been a lot of experimentation through Procreate. And I think you can even see some of that here between each sketch. But as I've progressed, I mean, I started really nailing it. I think in this realm, you know, doing an apparel sketch on top of a, like of a photo that I've taken or a nature photo that I found on Pinterest or something like that. And that's mainly because I, struggled a lot with picking color palettes. I don't know if you guys experienced that as well, but I'll get a sketch done and I really like it and I want to add color and then the color ruins it. And so I was pulling in photos that I had taken in different national parks and pulling color palettes from that. And the people that I've interacted with on Instagram, you know, were celebrating that and you're saying that, you know, that's really cool. It's a different style. We haven't seen that before. And I was like, okay, maybe this is it. And I did that for a while. And then I got tired of it. And I moved on to something like a lot more minimal where I'm just doing like the line work sketches on, you know, a paper texture in the background. So I feel like it's kind of a cycle. You go through, you know, different styles, just like you go through different styles of clothing that you wear. Um, and Instagram is a great tool for that because you can see insights on each post. And of course I can't click on it to show you because I'm not logged in, but yeah, I mean, it was incredibly hard for me to find a sketching style. I really struggled with that because I could see, you know, other students, some of my peers nailing it and it wasn't working for me. So it was great to be able to like see other people in the industry who are doing soft goods sketching specifically, because sometimes it doesn't work, you know, to follow your professor who does mostly hard goods and try to have that translate over to soft goods. There's a question. Uh, do you recommend separate Instagram accounts for design and, per uh, and personal? Yes. I know there are a lot of people that don't um, separate it and uh, I think it just depends on like what you want to do with your account. But yes, I have different accounts for it because the things that I want to share with my friends and family, very different from things that I want, you know, on my professional side. I have also made it clear that, you know, I don't put my employer in my bio because anything that I post on my account, even though it is a professional account, it is not reflective of 
my employer. And so I want to make sure that that's very separate. Um, every once in a while, I'll post something that might kind of go towards the personal side on my you know, professional account, but just because people want to still know that there's like a human behind that account. And that's more when I'm like making something. So I think there's a post somewhere of like me and my fiance and I just made masks for us. Um, but still like keeping the language and keeping the content professional and like keeping it on track. You, you mentioned earlier um, this industry being very good about um, just providing mentorship and feedback and a lot of people like to, to help um, students, but how do you, would you recommend people reach out? Like what is, what does that look like? What are some of the, the ways that people have reached out that have been positive and what are some of the things that you recommend to not do um, when you reach out to someone on Instagram or LinkedIn? Yeah. Um, I think it's important to show that, you know, you have followed that person for more than 60 seconds. So if you like send me a DM and then immediately like start following me and then like the first post all within a matter of minutes, I'm going to realize that you don't actually know my work. And so this isn't, you know, a very like personal connection. You're not looking for me specifically. You're just looking for a body or like somebody on Instagram to talk to. Um, yeah. And just, you know, introduce yourself, say what, like what your goal is. So if that's like, hi, I'm so-and-so, I go to this school. I really like your work. I think your sketching style is really cool. Um, I'm trying to figure out my own sketching style. Uh, would you be able to, you know, answer a couple questions and then just start there. And then as the conversation continues, then you can get into something like, would you be willing to do a portfolio review? Because portfolio review could take easily an hour. And if I'm going to spend an hour outside of work to review your portfolio, I want to like, I want to have some idea of who you are. Like I'd, I'd like to have more of a conversation first before we go do all that time. Um, there have been times when I've done portfolio reviews for students and then they apply to work as an intern for us. And I see their portfolio and after an hour of review, they've changed nothing, which is definitely not something I would recommend. It's a little disappointing to see that after all that time is spent. But, but I don't think that there are many like bad interactions I've had with people reaching out um, either a DM or sending me an email or anything like that because my website is linked on my Instagram. You can always go there and then fill out the contact form and that works just as well. I wouldn't say that one's like more professional than the other because sending a DM on Instagram is pretty commonplace at this point. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, what would you say is the difference between working in a design firm um, versus like a corporate environment? Um, I don't, I don't really know if you've had both, but like you said, you work for a design firm and mentioned that it's, it's quite different from yeah. the environment. So I've worked for both. Um, I've worked for, you know, Land's End doing footwear design. I've worked for Merrill, which is huge, you know, with Wolverine worldwide. And I've worked for Deckers, um, also huge. And it's a very different vibe. You're working on a big team, um, 
and you're doing pretty similar projects every day and probably pretty small pieces of each project every day. And then, you know, at a design firm, it's kind of all over the place. We have, you know, 10 to 13 different clients at any given time. And that can range from a hunting brand to a lifestyle brand, um, snow gear, technical apparel, it's all over the place. So in one day I could probably be working on a like hunting backpack and like a bow sling. And then maybe a couple hours later, I'm working on, you know, apparel for a like ski gear company. So working on technical jackets and gloves and hats and things like that. So it's really hard to get burnout, I think, at a design firm because you're just bouncing around all over the place. But one of the things I really did like about working in the corporate world is that you can really dive into that brand language and, you know, you stay consistent with one thing for a long time. So it's a kind of a personal preference, you know, if you end up with one or the other. I think it's important to do both at some point in time just to get both perspectives. Um, I will say that, you know, with working at a design firm, that was the that's one of the drawbacks for showing your online portfolios. There's a lot of stuff that I can't show. And it's just because that gets a little tricky with our clients. If they want us to show it, if they want people to know that they had a design firm working for them versus if they did the design in-house. Um, and then, you know, it has to be like fully out in production. Um, you know, you're not, you don't want to share any secrets, anything that's like up and coming, you know? So it's, which is similar in the corporate world, but I think it's a much clearer line of like, okay, this is out in the market. I can show this now. I am a designer for this company. So there's kind of like a, uh, a line of like when you can show it in the corporate world, like, oh, it's hit the market. Now I can show like the work for right. it versus that may not always be the case with a design firm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because you want to get the client's feedback on that and see how they feel about it. That's probably the most important part is, you know, is the client okay with it to start? And then, you know, is that something that your firm does? Looks like Kale's got a question. Go ahead, Kale. Uh, I just had a quick question um, regarding like the range of projects you'd like to see in portfolios, like maybe specifically from students getting ready to graduate, but four to six or just really well done thought out projects that show either diversity or like a specificity and what you're wanting to do. Yeah. So that's kind of the cool thing about, um, you know, having a PDF portfolio as opposed to a website. When I was graduating, I think I had five or six different versions of my portfolio for different companies that I'm sending them out to. So I have one that's, you know, just soft goods and it's all of the backpacks and apparel that I've made. And then there were others that, you know, had some variety in them, had some hard goods, had some like consumer products and things like that, depending on who it was going to. Um, and that's why, you know, when I say PDF, you can have as many versions as you want. And then your website, you really only have that one version. So I think it's more important on your website to show diversity if that is what you are going for. So personally, when I get student portfolios and they have 
one or two really solid backpack projects and then maybe three or four other projects that aren't related to soft goods. I'm super stoked about that because I can see that they have all the industrial design skills. You know, they can do all the rendering, they can do the 3D modeling, the sketching, all of that. But then they also know how to sew and they understand construction. My boss is in a completely different realm for that. He wants to see a portfolio that is only things that are relevant to us. Four to six projects is pretty solid. Um, and then if you want to, you know, have one piece of your website just showing off your sketching or like some, some skill that you're super proud of that you have a lot of really solid examples of. I think that's a really important thing to have, even if it's not like a project that's telling a story, just having sketching examples, something like that on there. Um, so I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about works specifically, like what's it like there? How many, designers do you have things like that do you have like a plm yeah is it mostly so works is super small there are four of us um for the first year that i worked there there were only three of us we just you know last year we hired a junior developer um so we've got a junior developer a senior developer i am one of the designers, and then there's my boss, who's the creative director. So sometimes it feels like I'm kind of designing out on a little island by myself, um, which is something that I do miss about corporate life, is that you know you get a lot of collaboration from lots of different people um, and even across different brands, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, it's really small. Um, we have, like I said, 10 to 13 clients at any given time uh, that rotates pretty often. We typically get a lot of new clients at outdoor retailer, but unfortunately that's not really happening right now. Um, yeah, it's a really fun environment. It's fun to be able to go from you know one project to the next. I think, yeah, today I'm going to be working on developing a camouflage pattern in high-vis yellow and black so that um, a workwear company can use it and they kind of want elements of like a hype brand in it so that like millennials and Gen Z want to buy it as well but at the same time it functions properly and hits all the standards for workwear so that's going to be part of my day um, but at the same time I'm also working on this hunting brand um, most of the companies that we work with are startups i'd say that's like 75 percent um and then a few of them are like long-standing existing brands we kind of prefer to work with startups uh it's a lot more fun instead of you know previously we would get somebody like oakley coming in saying we need 75 jacket designs please and thank you <laughs> which can get really draining so, you know, we kind of bounce around from a lot of different things throughout the day, throughout the week, um, which is really fun. So I have a question. Um, you've been talking about all these diverse projects you do, you know, from jackets to hunting bows to all these things. I'm just curious of how you approach, um, like, the research on that or how do you inform yourself to be able to 
design like an awesome product that has very specific design attributes or elements that need to be embedded. Can you talk about your research a bit or how you approach that? Yeah. So I don't hunt, um, but I am working on a lot of hunting bags at the moment. And a lot of that comes from talking to people. Part of, so when I started uh, industrial design, my first internship was footwear design, actually. And I quickly got out of it because I did not see, you know, the same amount of problem solving that I was really looking for in an industry. And I think that's why I fell in love with bag design, because I think that there is, you know, so much function involved in that. And it's not like, all right, let's take this men's shoe. Let's make it smaller. Let's make it pink. And now we're going to sell it to women. It's going to be new and fun. Um, so with bags and you know technical apparel, I was just really excited about the problem solving aspect of it. And so then you throw hunting gear at me and I don't know, I don't know anything about hunting. So really all I can do is talk to people that do it and understand what the problems are. And I think the fact that I don't hunt is also great because then I'm going to pull in different perspectives that maybe they aren't thinking about because they're thinking about other hunting gear and other ways that problems are solved with that gear. I'm thinking of something that I saw a skier use the other day or something that's used in a completely different industry. Um, but yeah, a lot of it does come from interviewing people. Um, people who hunt really like to get on message boards and talk to each other about things that are good and bad with products, which is awesome. I spend a lot of time reading those. Um, but also when we have a client come to us saying that they want to have a line of bags, I'm expecting them to tell me why instead of, you know, let's put more product out on the planet just for fun. I want them to tell me, you know, my gear isn't doing what I need it to do. Here are the problems. Because if you just come to me and say like, yeah, I don't know, like Sitka makes a backpack. We should have a backpack. I'm going to really struggle with that because um, I want the client to also have somewhat of a vision. This is going to be their thing. This is their baby that they're like handing over to us. I want their voice to come through as well. So yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Awesome. Thank you. I think your job sounds so fun, like so <laughs> challenging, so many things to pick and choose from. So it's really fun to hear your experience. Thank you. It's wild. <laughs> I recently finished working on, um, it's like a hunting vest, but really let's call it a backpack. And it's specifically for upland hunting. And this client came to us and said, I need a vest that has modularity to it so on the outside you can attach a bunch of different pouches to it and you can put them in different places our client also only has one arm so like he needs certain things on one side and they really can't be on the other side but he also needs to stay balanced um and the backpack needs to fit at least four dead birds and i didn't really know how to respond to that <laughs> But he said that, you know, they're kind of like deflated footballs, if you need a good size reference, <laughs> except they're a little bit more flexible. It was really, really special. Um, I can show you guys the bag if you want, because it's actually out in the world. So 
we've got all these like laser cut holes on the side. Um, and then ideally somewhere on here, you can see all the pouches that attach to it. So if you see this like little orange panel in the back, that's the main opening for the pocket. We've got, you know, a stretch gusset here so you can really like open this thing up because it looks really flat and like close to the body, which was also one of his main concerns that a lot of upland vests that are out there, they just sag and they look terrible. They don't, you know, conform to the body when they're not in use. Um, so getting this thing that, you know, sits super flat and then expands, there's a lot of like darts and pleats um, and gussets and things like that. And then of course the entire lining has to be waterproof and um, blood proof for the dead birds. <laughs> Sorry if that makes people uncomfortable. It definitely made me uncomfortable for the first few days. Um, but yeah, this is the fun part is that, you know, I've worked on this thing for, over a year. And this was one of my first like, big projects that's now out on the market. And I really enjoyed working with this client because he is so passionate about this. He, you know, he's killing it on Instagram. He spends a lot of time on his website, things like that. Um, so it's, it's really fun to work with him. Yeah. And then all the pouches that come with it. Fun stuff. Yeah. So when do you prototype and make all of these yourself and like make sure everything works together? Or do you guys like work with Asia, like overseas? How does so, that Yeah, we have relationships with quite a few factories um, and they'll do most of the big prototyping. But there are a lot of times when, you know, we might have a certain detail or, you know, something that's some construction that's hard to show in a flat or even in a 3d sketch and i have a industrial sewing machine here so i'll you know mock something up and then we can send that to the factory and kind of skip a few steps which is really nice because it, it's so frustrating to get to like round six or round seven on prototyping because the factory wants to be done with it i want to be done with it but it's still not right um, so we try to, you know, make it as clear as possible for the factory. I mean, with some of our apparel, our specs, so like the flat drawings will be, let's say a maximum of like six pages. When I'm doing bags, they get up to like 30 pages because I open up every single pocket to show you like, this is how it looks inside. This is all the internal organization. Um, you know, these are all the hardware pieces and calling each one out in every spec, everything's dimensioned with call outs. It's really intense document, but um, we do that so that we can do as few prototypes as possible. Awesome, thank you. I saw a hand raised, um, is that Kesley? Did you have a question? Maybe that's our last question. So I know we're coming up on the end here. Yeah, really quick. Um, how do you communicate with your clients in deadlines and um, just that constant communication and involvement with your with the projects and things? Yeah, um, we probably have a lot of uh, probably more open communication than than what is necessary. Because I think once your client finds you on Instagram or once they get your cell phone number, 
then it's just constant communication, which is probably not the way to go. But um, we also have like a running calendar with each of our clients that we share with them. We have shared folders with them. So we're always, you know, dropping files in there for them to look at. Um, But it does, you know, go through this cycle of during the design process, we're talking to them a lot because we want to get all the details right. And then as soon as I'm finished with my specs and we send them off to the factory, we might not talk to them for a little while just because the factory is working on it. Might be three weeks, four weeks until we get a prototype. And then we go right back into it of like talking to them constantly, going over the prototype, especially now with everybody working remote, we'll do it here in my home and then I'll send it off to my boss and he'll check it out and then we'll send it to the client. And one of our clients is in Australia. So that (laughs) makes a little bit longer process, but yeah, it's a lot of open communication, just back and forth. The only time that we really try to cut them off is when we're doing comments on a bag or on a piece of apparel, because the factory needs those comments so they can start working on the second prototype. And some clients like to just send an email every other day or so saying, oh, wait, and this other thing that I want to change and this other thing I want to change. So we try our best to kind of steer them away from doing that, you know, take their time, really work on the testing and prototyping and get all your comments together, send them all out at once. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Well, I know we're out of time. Um, Carolyn, this has been great. Thanks for taking the time to, to share. I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. And so appreciate you just being willing to, to share a little bit with our students today. So again, how's the best way to stay in touch with you? I'm assuming staying up with you, you know, keeping up with you on Instagram is, is probably a good way to go, right? Yep, for sure. And yeah, if any of you guys want to reach out and talk more, that's how you do that. Okay, perfect. Thank you again. Yeah. Uh, and thanks everyone for being here today. Everyone have a good rest of the day. Yeah, thanks so much, Carolyn. It was awesome to hear from you. Have a good one, guys. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Highlander Podcast. For more conversations with outdoor industry leaders and enthusiasts, subscribe and listen wherever podcasts are found or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast.